Hello and welcome back to After This the Sports Podcast. I'm again joined by Jonathan, and we are officially, I think, what is it, halfway or a quarter of the way through the season? Yeah, quarter um, of the way through. Yeah, some of the games last week, you know, we didn't have as crazy of a week in terms of upsets as week three. Um, I don't think it was as impressive in terms of big matchups as like week one, but this was a really solid week. Um, mm-hmm. I felt that like we, had, we we saw a lot from teams and kind of like we saw what we needed to see. from. Yeah, de- definitely an interesting week when it comes to to narratives, I'll say. Yeah. Um, real quick, just like the schedule, what we're trying to do today. Um, I was thinking going over some of the bigger games, bigger results, talking about the implications. We have another coach who got fired. Um, it's like a weekly occurrence at this rate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Ryan Harson's up next. Harson, I mean, maybe it would have been Mike Norvell if he lost, but <laughs> no, the Knowles are three now, baby. Yep. Um, but we are also trying to just go through maybe some of our rankings that we do every week, which is a lot of fun. Compare them to the AP poll, compare them to each other. Let's get right into it. Um, first game I want to talk about was a Friday night matchup. I was watching it. I know you were watching it as well. Florida State is now 3-0 and after a win on the road against Louisville. And um, you have some very outspoken ideas about what Louisville should do with their football program. So I'll let you take this one away. Yeah, I, I like – here's the thing. I, I don't think Scott Satterfield is a very good coach, and I think the first – three weeks of the season was not so make or break for him because he obviously still has nine more games to play on his schedule. But this is a Louisville team that had aspirations to, to, to win a lot of football games. this year. Like, I don't think it was unrealistic to come into the season and say this team could probably finish second in the ACC Atlantic. And they've now, they're now, they've now dropped their first two conference games in the first three weeks. They narrowly escaped a, a group of five UCF team who, I don't think is that great because the group of five this year as a whole isn't great. And I think Louisville could just maybe do, do better than Satterfield. You know, you, you brought him in into a program that was kind of post Lamar Jackson and had a lot of rebuilding to do after losing him. And he's had pretty much all the time in the world. He he's needed. I think he got this job in 2019 and he's had, this is his fourth, fourth year, you know, four, four years, should be enough to see what you need to see. I know he's got a good recruiting class in 2023, and as you say, recruiting will usually buy you time. But this team, like, what I saw from them on Friday night was interesting because they outgained Florida State. They outrushed them. They had more first downs, but they shot themselves in the foot with turnovers and penalties. They had 11 penalties on Friday night. And those are that a thing like that, is just not something you want to see from a team that's under a fourth year coach that's supposed to have this program heading in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, I will say it just to add some context. I was a fan of the Satterfield hire. Um, I was, I thought that he was going to make them um, very much like almost like a fraudulent Big Ten team in the sense that they were going to build their lines, they're going to be strong, they're going to um, try to push teams around. Yeah, um, I thought that was going to be interesting to see how they how they do that after what Lamar Jackson did. And so it, it always felt like they were trying to get to that point, but they still were trying to get to the Lamar Jackson, like type um, like offenses that they had, which I, yeah. I thought they should have been running the ball a lot more. They played Malik um, Cunningham, who I actually think is a very talented player. The offense just didn't have the weapons they needed. But in terms of Satterfield, like you mentioned the recruiting, and I would like to see what the difference is between the amount of leeway we give coaches with the recruiting now, just because like if Satterfield leaves, that doesn't mean that the recruits aren't going to get paid in NIL. Mm-hmm. Like the, the recruits get paid in NIL no matter who's the coach, right? Yeah. So if you're worried about Satterfield being fired and they're losing this great recruiting class, I, I wouldn't be all that worried if you're a Louisville fan because the next guy you bring in, most likely, like those recruits will still get paid and they'll probably win more football games. So, yeah. And I just, Louisville isn't this super historic brand. Like, I, I know they had good teams with Lamar, and even those teams were kind of teams that fell off in the second half of the year. 
but I just think that we've, we've gotten to a point with Satterfield and I think we're kind of getting to a point with some other co- coaches too, where it's just like, we've seen what we need to see. And no matter, no matter what recruits we bring in and how historic this class, these classes are for our program is, is there, are the results going to be any different because we don't Jimbo, like what Jimbo, Jimbo Fisher, the coach here at Mizzou is, is kind of catching criticism in that aspect right now too. Yeah. I mean, I want to go from that to a, at least for me, a little bit more of an upbeat note in the sense that the team that I said at the beginning of the year was going to surprise everyone in the Pac-12 and the country. I said this team was going to be really, really good. And you know what? I, we had Jack on here and Jack said, no way. Um, I believe we tweeted out about this, got people saying no way. But just like clockwork, Michigan State goes on the road to Washington, gets absolutely obliterated. The score is way closer than the game was. They did not belong in the field. Washington was way better in every mm-hmm. single aspect of the game. Um, and I want to kind of separate this into two parts because I think it's really important that we acknowledge what Washington did. Like, even though I, I don't think – like, both of us weren't as high on Michigan State. We can talk about them after. But what Washington did under Kalen DeBoer and Michael Penix was – in my opinion, one of the better offensive showcasing we've seen so far out of anyone. Yeah. They, they clicked on all levels. And I, I remember I texted you this during the game. Like this reminded me of 2019 Indiana. And what were the reasons why 2019 Indiana were so good? It's because they had DeBoer calling the plays and they had Penix um, playing elite level football. Yeah. And people don't remember this, but that Indiana team, even though it was a COVID year, they played Ohio State tough. They, yeah. they I mean, they, they had like, what, 350 yards, a few tu- through, through passes. Few yeah, passes. I mean, the, those wide receivers were consistently torching that secondary. And, you know, people will tell you that, that game wasn't as close as the score, like, will tell you. But it, it was. Indiana had the ball with a chance to tie, tie yeah. the game. And so – I don't know why people weren't high on Washington to begin with, mm-hmm. because if we're talking about coaches who have wins and losses, Kalen DeBoer is 81 and nine, 81 wins, nine losses, 81 wins, nine losses. And guess what? He was out Indiana for a little yeah. bit. Um, he is probably my favorite young coach. Uh, I would expect that he gets a big time offer at least Maybe not in the next few years. Washington's a good job. Like he probably yeah, likes and, it. And, they, there, and they could be on the move in conference realignment too. Well, I mean, that's the other aspect. Like is to me, he's a top tier coach. And to me, he should be at a place where he's going to be given the resources he needs to succeed. I can't remember the stat they said on the cover three podcast exactly today, but I want to say that on the show, they said like Washington in the first half gained like 300 and like, 22 out of 323 possible yards in the in the first half like their offense in the first half was unstoppable and part of that also they they got stopped in the one yard line this could have been so much worse part of that by the way was that michigan state's pass defense is just abysmal once again and but like this washington team you're right they're they're a very pleasant surprise for me i know you said they aren't for you but Penix is playing well, well again. Their wide receivers are very underrated, by the way. That's a, that's a position group over there that people should have taken notice in, in the offseason because that might be Washington's best position group. And, and I think they, there was a clear matchup disadvantage here with how well Washington threw the ball and how poorly Michigan State defended the pass. And from the beginning, like, don't let this final score tr- trick you. Michigan State recovered a non-site punt in the fourth quarter. Washington took their foot off the brakes. Like, this was a blow Washington never had a chance of losing this game. I mean, Washington's defense was something I was a little bit interested in because they lost all those great cornerbacks to the NFL draft. They were really good. They, they were really, really good. Besides the, the few plays, I believe, in the second quarter where um, – what's his face? Uh, the tight end – for Michigan State, oh Keon Coleman, the ex, the basketball player who yeah. everyone loves to say he's a basketball player. He played like maybe in for like one game in garbage time. So like, whatever. He's thirteen targets. No, no, he was really, really good. He's one of the bright spots on this team. But yeah, 
Washington's defensive line really controlled the game. And the only chance that Michigan State had to move the ball was Peyton Thorne just running around and being really good. I was very impressed with Peyton Thorne. Wasn't impressed with the Michigan State running running attack. Wasn't impressed with the Michigan State defense at all. And I wasn't I wasn't impressed with the coaching either. So. Yeah. One point four yards to get a carry against a Minnesota team that's really good against the run is just not gonna cut it. it, it yeah. It's just not. So, so let's is, talk to let's talk let's talk this a little bit. Like is this game more on Washington being very good and underrated, or is it more on Michigan State just not like going to be a very good football team in the big time? I think it's a little of both. I, I would lean towards the Washington side just because I don't think anybody could have expected them to come out and be this explosive off- offensively. Like you could say that Penix was going to bounce back with DeBoer, but like, like what they did on Saturday night was just super impressive. Michigan state, I texted you this, this earlier, they are staring down the barrel of being under 500 in mid October after that Mi- Michigan game, like 95 million. Th- this is just un believable how tough the schedule is they get minnesota at home this week then they got to go to maryland then they got ohio state at home who ohio state's just going to torch them again and then wisconsin at home by at michigan and then by the way after that they have to go to illinois who's not a bad team this schedule is ridiculously hard and like i don't know why people expected this team who lost the best running back in college football last year and a couple key players up front to just kind of continue fluke, fluke, these fluky wins that they had last year, but they are going to get beat a lot of times this year. And I text, I texted you this earlier, the whole tuck coming to the tuck coming. Yeah. Tuck, tuck coming to the pinstripe bowl boys. So that's where we're headed. Yeah. And I, I engaged a lot of Sparty fans, you know, obviously like Michigan. So um, I don't want to like rag on too much because Again, like I'm a Michigan fan, so of course it just brings a smile to my face. But yeah, <laughs> what this team looks like is it looks like a team that lost Kenneth Walker and was everything else was the same. This, I mean, their pass defense wasn't good last year. Yeah, and they're they're not exactly. I know I know they got the two tight ends that are playing well for them, but they're not exactly deep at receiver either after losing Naylor. So yeah, I, I again I was always skeptical about what they could do. I thought they're gonna be a solid team. I didn't think they were gonna come out this inept, mostly from a coaching standpoint. Um, but yeah, I mean, for them, I mean, you have an opportunity to beat a very good team next week or this week, actually, at this point. And- Very good team. Let's see if Tuck coming, like, let's see yeah. if Tuck coming. Deep water, yeah, I mean, I mean, all, their, all their slogans. And he owned up to it, but let's see what actually adjustments they can make this week. Cause he, he did say that, there's going to be some personnel changes this week, and for I, who? I'm not, I'm, who I'm, they bring in? I was another saying, transfer. Like, I mean, I'm not exactly sure what personnel changes you're you're making with what are they? Forty fourth most talented roster in college football, but we'll, we'll see. Because I mean, I, I expect Minnesota to just run it down the throat. Morgan will make the throw throws he needs to, and Minnesota is going to win this game. Over under, Minnesota. 350 passing yards. I'll say under just because, like, that's not who Minnesota is. And they also lost Chris Altman Bell to a season ending injury. Oh, that's true. We, we against have to Col- that. against Colorado. Yeah. So I- I'm going to expect them to lead on the running game, but they could. Michigan, Michigan State's good against the run. Like, they, they are. But the thing is, like, Minnesota's offensive line is just so experienced and so big and their running back room is so deep that I I struggle even if that game is close to see how in the second half Minnesota just doesn't tire them out and start picking up these chunk plays on the ground yeah Uh, let's move on from that let's go to uh, let's let's actually stay out west um, with Oregon beating BYU pretty handily I always I question BYU a little bit um, I didn't know how they were going to show up after their crazy win against Baylor two weeks ago. And Oregon looked like Oregon when they don't play Georgia. Yeah. So, I'm not sure if there's much to say there. Like Oregon, Oregon is the better team. They should beat BYU nine out of 10 times, especially at home. But uh, Bo Nix played well. So, I mean, you could take that away. He played, yeah, he played I mean, well. It's classic good Bo Nix, bad Bo Nix. And 
more often than not, it's good Bo Nix at home and bad Bo Nix on the road. And that's exactly what we've had so far this season. Yeah. So Oregon, Oregon is still a super talented football team at pretty much every level of their, their team, both offensively and def- defensively. They got really good linebackers. They've got decent pass rushers. Their secondary is experienced. And, you know, they, they always have quality offensive linemen. It was just a question of is Bo Nix going to play well? And uh, they got a really solid rush, rushing game against a stingy BYU D line. And like it was, it was very clear that this Oregon team is just, and, and nobody is. We, we like this Oregon team is not going to be who they are when you play Georgia. And, and neither is any of these SEC teams that play Georgia this year, with probably the exception of Alabama. But yeah, I, I think the takeaway from this game is just has nothing to do with either of these teams. It's just don't judge a team when they play Georgia because they're going to get blown. They're going to get blown out. And we just have to live with that. By the way, do you want to know how many sacks Georgia has this year so far? Yes. Give me a number. I'm going to say three games. Yep. Um, I got, I, I got to go high. I'm going to say 14. They have one. They have, one singular, sack? they have a singular. I believe that's correct. Their defensive ratings are actually not that high, which is, makes it crazy. All these is, there, is their pressure rate just not high? Well, I think their pressure rate might be high, but their okay. sack rate is not high because these quarterbacks okay. just like try to scramble out. Um, you should check yeah. that though. I'm not sure if that's correct. I think I read that on Twitter. So take yeah, that I mean, like, I think people kind of misuse sacks in a well, yeah. Uh, I mean, I the reason why I used this stat was to just like it, no, it's it's ironic because you yeah. you see how good their defense has been through three games and they only have ever recorded one sack, but I'm I'm sure their pressure rate's really high. I'm sure teams are averaging less than two yards a carry against them. Yeah. Like yeah. Yep, let's move on. Um very rarely do we actually disagree on stuff or, or on specific teams. I feel like mm-hmm. normally we're on the same page, but um you were very high on Miami. Uh and yeah. I, I wasn't. <laughs> and um Miami lost. To Texas A&M, both teams played really, really poorly. Tyler Van Dyke was pretty terrible. Um, 21 for 41, not not very that good completion percentage. But Josh Gaddis was very bad, um, very similar to what we saw in Michigan in 2019. This offense is literally carbon. Like it is the he ran the Michigan 2019 2020 offense. They'll, they'll figure it out though. Come on. They'll figure Come it on. out. It took it took Michigan on, half, it took Michigan half a season to, to get used to that offense. Why will why would they, they, they stopped running Gaddis stuff? They stopped running Gaddis's stuff. Because yeah, Gaddis's stuff, guess what? Guess what Gaddis's stuff does? It gets you to the 10-yard line, the red zone. And guess what? Michigan couldn't score in the red zone. You know what Miami can't do? They can't score in the red zone. Well, that, that came down to two things, by the way. One, Miami doesn't have a receiver right now that can catch the ball. And two, Who's the receivers coach? Huh? Who's the receivers coach? The Gaddis. I think it's Gaddis. Yeah, he's the receivers coach <laughs> in Michigan too. So, so the second thing. Listen, by the hold way. on, real quick, real quick. He was the receivers coach at Alabama too. Gattis? So his receivers are his thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and like they're missing Restrepo, who's their best guy. But like some of those drops they were having were inexcusable. They had, I think, one receiver who caught more than fifty percent of his targets. Yeah the other night which is just mind-boggling and second thing Mario Cristobal coached maybe the worst game that I've ever seen at the college level and I'm not exaggerating the decision making from him was just so stupid like, like I felt Here's like what my I said. Said. has he ever been a great X's and O's coach or a game manager no he hasn't he's been a great recruiter and he's done a good job finding pe- he's people a good recruiter. finding coordinators He's a good recruit. His his offense made Justin Herbert almost slip out of like relevancy. Okay, yeah. and we see what Justin Herbert is. Mario Cristobal. Now, I, I a lot in the offseason, like Miami fans were super excited. And that makes sense because Miami wasn't very good under Manny Diaz. But I always try to warn people that you need to take a little bit of a step back. Like Mario Cristobal is not going to elevate you to the status of what Jimbo did at Florida state in terms of like national relevancy, like Mario Cristobal will get his guys. And well, Jimbo's system also worked in 2013. It did, no, I'm talking about like, like comparisons from like, yeah. of course, like Cristobal, no, system, but 
Like, is Cristobal a championship coach? No. No, probably not. No. But, like – He lost to the Pac-12 he shouldn't lose. It, it's honestly – talented everyone else. It, it's honestly, like, to the point where just, like, we know you can recruit. You're going to be fine there. We, like, but he needs to get, hire coordinators that he trusts and just let them do their thing. Like, I, I feel like the general narrative around Mario Cristobal is that he will override his coordinators all the time. And – Eventually, like he just needs to take a step back and say, "Hey, my, um, my my best team is when I'm not calling plays on offense or defense." And you know who did did that a couple years ago? Jim Harbaugh. Jim Jim Harbaugh became pretty much a game manager, and Michigan improved because because of it. Miami can get to a level if Mario Cristobal realizes what his strengths are, what his weaknesses are, and uses those to his advantage. Oregon upgraded from oh from Chris Paul to Lanning. Lanning is Lanning is better, and Lanning's well, yeah. I mean, Lanning brought at least, in at least Lanning can there. at least Lanning can coach one side of the ball. Like, like Kenny Kenny Dillingham's a, a very very good offensive coordinator. Yeah, and I mean, and Lanning is a great DC. Like, and he he'll call plays on defense. So like, like Oregon got a better coach. We're gonna be fine. I'm just and, and like we know Lanning can recruit like. Uh, the problem is we don't know what conference Oregon's going to be in come two years from now. I'm just saying if the goal is to win football games, like I would rather have Landon than Cristobal. We've seen Cristobal. We've seen him everywhere. He had really, really, he, he's a great recruiter. He fields competitive teams. He does not field championship teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think with the talent he gets, I think they can be a championship team. If he realizes if he re- if he gets the right guys in place calling plays and realizes what what his teams can do when he isn't involved in play calling, Miami can't even fill up their stadium. Well, that's a whole nother issue. My, that's dude, no, no, no. But like when you brought when I when they got Cristobal, I thought this was going to mark the change in like how Miami fo- like thinks about football. I thought they're going to go back to like that culture that they had before. But the whole like NIL John Ruiz stuff along with Cristobal coming in, like they, they were getting the guys, but it always felt like there was something like inauthentic about it. Like, and I know Cristobal is like a Miami guy, but I just, there's a sinking feeling that he's going to come up short. So like, what do you like, what do you mean by come up short though? Because like Mark Richt and Manny Diaz were, way worse than like I ever could imagine. Listen, Miami wants to win the ACC first and foremost. That's the first goal. And they have no reason not to be able to do that. Well, I don't think they're good enough. Not this year, but I like, I, we never thought they were good enough this year. Uh, do you really think that Miami's going to beat Dabo maybe up to twice in a year? They won't have to beat them twice. They don't play in the same division. Aren't they changing the, isn't the ACC changing to the, uh, Top two teams, maybe, but like, even if they are, that still doesn't guarantee that he's playing Dabo over here. That's true. Well, I mean, like, I'm assuming I'm assuming Clemson's going to be. It'll be it'll be on a rotation, just like the Pac-12 is. And like, yeah. here here's the thing: like, Miami should be at worst the second most talented team in the ACC every single year because, I agree. like, uh, I know I've said a lot of, a lot of positive things about Mike Norvell lately. He's not out recruiting Cristobal. He's just not. So who who else besides Clemson? Napier. Who else? Who else besides? Well, tra- who? Well, I'm talking about from a recruiting standpoint of Florida. Like, yeah, Napier is going to take a lot of those recruits, in my opinion. But I disagree. But um, that's I, I, I think story. I think the SEC pulls way bigger. Even even so, like Cristobal still probably get the same level of classes as Napier. And Norvell hasn't proven he can do that. Nor Norvell apparently perverts other methods of building a roster. Dude, I think Norvell should be fired. So I Norvell, think Norvell. There's gonna I be a new that, guy. There's gonna be a new guy in Florida State once Miami's ready to compete. I think that Mike Norvell is currently the only undefeated coach in Florida this year. Dude, we, we can't possibly compare Florida State to what these other teams have done. Why not? Flor, Florida beat Utah, and they're still still not undefeated. Yeah, question, question, question. Okay. I feel like a lot of what you're basing this Florida State off of is their win against LSU, which is like you, yeah, you're they've been like a really LSU good spokesperson. But were, were you really that impressed with LSU every single week so far? Even against Mississippi pretty, State, they were fine. I was, 
I was pretty impressed with them last week. A complete second half beatdown of Mississippi State. They scored no points in the first half. What they done? Good team, by the way. They didn't score no points in the first half, did they? They they did not get shut out in the first half. Hold up, hold up. We're pulling the we're pulling the score up. We're pulling the score up. Um, I just remember watching Jaden Daniels like pulling my hair out because he was not. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. He looked better than he did against Florida State, which is all I'm concerned about. I mean, yeah, okay. Okay, but, they scored seven points in the first half. They were down a touchdown. Let's let's pump the brakes here. Okay, okay, so seven points. Okay, okay, yeah. LSU, LSU is a team that is going to get better throughout the season, and frankly, they got better throughout this game. They're they're still sh- dude. How is how has LSU improved since the Florida State game? L- what do you mean? How have they improved? Like okay, okay. LSU we saw week one. They, they ran thought- first of all. First of all, they ran the ball for five point four yards a carry. Dan Daniels was looked looked much better in in the pocket than he did against Florida State. And like frankly, like they you know they resh- they reshuffled their entire offensive line. Like Will I didn't Campbell, know about that. Will well, Campbell they, they was starting Cole Dellinger at, at, at left guard, who was terrible. Will Campbell was the only player on that offensive line, who was a true freshman, by the way, that kept yep. his position in, from that Florida State game. They reshuffled their entire offensive line. They scored 31 points against solid Mississippi State defense, by the way, and they held the air raid to 16. That, no, I was, I was impressed with their defense. I still think the team. offense that's, had that's gonna, that If Florida State keeps winning games, we're going to end up saying that's a good win for them because, you know – LSU, they now go go New Mexico next week. Then they got to go to Auburn, which if they don't win at Auburn, just literally they cut me off. Anyone can win at Auburn. <laughs> if they don't win at Auburn, I'm going off the grid. But um, then they got then they got Tennessee at home at Florida, Ole Miss by Alabama. Like they can win. I mean, they, that's a very favorable schedule. They can they can win all of these games, and like Tennessee is going to be tough. Ole Miss is going to be tough. Those teams look fantastic right now. But they, they they can win those games. They have more talent than those teams. But could we just go back to Florida State, please? Sure. I love talking about Florida State. And and I, I'm I like Florida State. I don't think Florida State. Wait, hold on. Where do you have Florida State ranked in your top twenty-five? Oh, um, okay. I may have moved them down a couple spots just because I had to move some teams teams up. I'm, okay, okay. You have ranked. I'm a judger of what happens on the field. Uh, I have Florida State at twenty-one. Okay. And I'm actually not too bad with that. I mean. I feel like if you had them a little bit higher. You don't have them ranked, and I was going to text you about it. I don't have them ranked. There's teams that are, like, better. There, I think there are teams that are better. I think that's fair. What, but I, what, what team – okay, okay, look at my rankings. What team in my rankings do you think shouldn't belong there in Florida State should be there instead? Um, I think you're really high in Maryland, and, frankly, I think the only t- the only reason you have – like, I think their offense is really good, but, frankly, I think the only reason that you have them ranked is because Michigan's playing them this week. You're pretty much, you're pretty much doing what the college football playoff does with these mid- mid- Yo, we need those TV. I'm actually hired by Fox for the big noon kickoff, and I, I want to, like, get these ratings up. Dude, Maryland's actually good. You're pretty I, much doing – You're pretty Maryland much doing – Maryland beat a really solid SMU team, okay? Yeah, I, was, pretty, I was impressed. SMU is all right, but you're pretty much doing what the, what the college football Dude, this is what the college football playoff committee does with like seven and three Mississippi State every year. They just throw throw them in at twenty four. Dude, okay, look at Maryland's team. roster though. Maryland's roster is like no, dude. This I is like the best they, Maryland team like Loxley's had. I like what they have offensively, and I think they're gonna make a bowl. But like, I, I, I mean, they made a bowl last year, so like, I, I like their good, dude. I like their and, offense. And you know what? Maryland's gonna Maryland's gonna play Michigan tough. I disagree. I don't think Maryland's got a chance at hell at stopping them. If if Maryland can cut out all the disciplinary issues, like the flat, like they had them, they, they have so many penalties last game too. If you watched the SMU game, yeah, penalty, I mean, that's a penalty. good win. But they were better than SMU the entire game. It's a good win. I, I, th- I think so too. But I also think that there, there isn't a single group of five team that should be in the top forty this year. That's fair. The group of five is terrible. It's like the group of five. I said this. I think on my show Sunday night or Sunday morning, there will. Whoever the group of five representative is this year, which, by the way, can't be BYU for those of you that don't know because they're not a group of five team. Whoever the group of five representative is this year is going to be a three-touchdown dog at minimum in, in, the, in the New York Six. It, it might, be, it, it might like, be App State, in all honesty, maybe, if, but if like, they keep winning because they have that touchdown. App State is like two plays away from being 0-3. So like, yeah, they're not. They're not 0-3, though. Yeah, I know they're not, but I'm like just saying, like, no, I agree. 
I, I think it. I, th- I think it's going to end up being whoever wins the American. Yeah, I mean, but like the American's really bad this year. Because like, I mean, I thought the Mountain West had four, four contenders, but San Diego State and Boise State have, have looked awful. Jake Hayner was carted off the f- field on Saturday night yeah. against USC, and Air Force lost to us as a seventeen point Can favorite. We talk about that, please. Can we talk about that? Because I had Air Force. I, they're like. I thought that they were going to run away with that conference in general. I thought, I thought they, they were too. And then they lost. Way better than everyone else. And they lost. So whatever. I mean, yeah, the group of five, pretty terrible. But I mean, the only. I, I'm I think it'll end up being UCF. Yeah. I'm looking at my rankings right now. Like one team that, again, I did these rankings like very quickly during class. I was very bored, but um, I had Wisconsin ranked. And looking back at it, I don't think I want them ranked. So we'll see because Mertz has been playing well. I think that offense kind of limits what he does, but he has been playing better than he has the last couple of years. I, I still don't think people should be tricked into thinking he's a good quarterback because he played well against a couple of really bad, like group of five and FCS teams. But I do Wait, think. Never mind. Could... Never mind. I sorry. I don't. I was looking at the composite rankings. I don't have a sense. Uh, right. I have. Yeah, no, the, 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 uh, the reason that Wisconsin's ranked in the composite is because the uh, the Sagarin ratings look upon them very favorably. Yeah, I was like, that's so weird. I don't remember ranking Wisconsin. No, the, I'm the, the, Sagarin, the Sagarin ratings have uh, have Wisconsin at 13. Yeah, I think it's a good segue to go into our rankings overview. So we're going to do the same thing we did last time. I'm going to go through the first my first five, give some um, support for that, and then we'll go on to yours and maybe compare them to composite and the AP. Number one, I'm sticking with Georgia. They're my number one team last year or last week, and um, they are dominant, best team in football. Number two, I got Alabama. Again, I, I had no reason to move them. I think my top eight might be the like copy and paste by last week. I'm no, I'm, I moved a couple of teams around. Okay, so we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. So I got Ohio State at three. Again, they crushed. Who did they beat? Um, Toledo. Toledo scored like 77 points. Michigan at four. Again, JJ season. We, we, we know what we see out of Michigan. Oklahoma five, Clemson six. Oh, wait, that's my fifth team. You're good. Yep. Um, all right, so I have Georgia one again, Alabama two, Michigan three, Ohio State four. My top four didn't, didn't change. Number five, I've moved Oklahoma up to five. Super impressed in what they did against Nebraska. Dylan Gabriel was playing super good and super well, I should say. Uh, but I think Venables has kind of changed – that defense. Alex Grinch wasn't a particularly good coordinator at Oklahoma, and whether that was scheme fit or what whatnot, but Oklahoma wasn't bad on defense last year and the year before. They were all right, better certainly better than the, the years prior. But this year's Oklahoma defense is who, who not only lost some key pieces last year, they got a new system in place too, and they're playing very well. Yeah, no, I agree with Oklahoma. Um, I was debating putting them over Michigan um, just because of that Nebraska win. is Even Nebraska, like, is better than the teams Michigan has played so far. But I, I think that, like, Michigan could beat you in a little bit more ways. So, but those, te- those teams are very close for me. Um, at six, I have Clemson. Mm-hmm. Again, I feel like Clemson's not going to move ever off this, off this list. I think they're going to – they might stick at six. Until they win the ACC championship. Dude, they're going to end up like – what they're going to end up doing is if they keep winning games, like the college football playoff committee in their first rankings is going to put them at like eight, knowing that if they just like keep winning, winning and win out, they're going to be in the playoff. But like yeah. they're going to like almost punish for like not blowing teams out consistently. Yeah. Okay, USC is seven. Um, they looked very, very good against Fresno State. Uh, Jordan Addison is like actually incredible. But um, I still need. Yeah, he, to, I still need to see him a little bit. He may win the Blatnikoff again. Yep, I got Texas at eight. Um, I didn't move him at all from last week, even though they did struggle a little bit against UTSA in the first half. They 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 figured it out. Yep, Utah nine. I haven't moved him since week one. <laughs> um, Arkansas ten struggled against uh, Missouri State. Missouri State, and they, uh, they're coached by uh, what's his face? Bobby Petrino. Bobby Petrino. He's the, he's gonna be the Auburn hire, right? That was that was an interesting one. Uh, yeah, I don't know who Auburn hired, but like 
I don't know who Auburn's going to hire to replace Harson, but I certainly wouldn't recommend going the group of five route again. What about Hugh Freeze? I mean, he, he carries all sorts of baggage with him. But that's an Auburn hire if you've ever seen one, right? Did, did you see the CBS article the other day that said, like, time heals, like, scandals? <laughs> like, like, they were listing, like, they, they were do. listing, I think they were listing potential, like, Harson replacements, and, like, they listed Hugh Freeze and, and said, like, time heals, like, all I mean, scandals. Dude, like, dude, Jeff Levy is, like, the hottest, like, coordinator hire. Yeah, I mean, I would hire him. Um, yeah, but, like, he, he was involved with that scandal, but, like. I mean, I mean, I think he's one of the best coordinators in the country. Right exactly. Now. But, Hugh, like. Hugh Freeze is still a good I'm not, coach. Listen, I'm not saying that I wouldn't hire Hugh Freeze. I'm just saying there's a lot of background work to be done. Exactly. But Auburn would, that's, an, that's a very Auburn thing to do. I mean. Hire Hugh Freeze. I, I definitely wouldn't recommend hiring a group of five coach that underperformed at his previous school and doesn't recruit very well. So, what about that one year they paid all their players? They're recruiting. They're like the number one recruiting class. What year was that? That was when they had Shea Patterson, DK Metcalf. They they signed. Oh, Miss. Uh, yeah, Ole Miss. Oh, yeah. I mean, that team scored forty points every game and went like three and nine. So. <laughs> But they had a great recruiting class. Yeah, dude, they went up 7-0 on Alabama on the first drive, and I was like, oh, maybe Ole Miss just hangs 50 on them and this is a game, and Alabama, Alabama ended up scoring, like, the next play. Oh, yeah, so that's my top – rounds on my top 10. So, Let's yeah, see. my uh, to round up my top 10, I moved USC up to 6 above Clemson, who's at 7. USC's defense is going to struggle at times. It's a, it's a work in progress, but I think if USC plays Clemson on a neutral field right now, their offense is – going to be more deadly than Clemson's defense. Utah at eight, Texas at nine, and then my beloved Minnesota Golden Gophers at 10. Who? Soda. I like yeah. Minnesota. I don't like him that much. I know you don't, but they're going to beat but, Michigan State this weekend. We're going to be just on the road until the whiteout game. P.J. Fleck for the Nebraska job? Haven't thought about that. See, I like this episode. Like, uh, what I want to do until these coaching vacancies are filled, whenever we talk about a coach we like, I'm just gonna fill them into whatever spot. Like, it's gonna be it's gonna be Campbell or Campbell or Leipold, I think. For the, Campbell uh, would be a mistake. Why? He's a good program builder. Yeah, but I, I I don't think he would do well at a place like Nebraska. You think Leipold would be a mistake? No, I actually I like Leipold better. Well, those were the top two at least uh, odds. So you get the Campbell, job. Campbell's very good at Iowa State because their expectations aren't that high. And so that one year where he got really lucky and overexceeded the expectations. They're, they're not bad, by the way. No, 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 no. They're, they're not bad. But, like, Nebraska would be mad at the way they're playing. Like, Nebraska fans wouldn't be okay with them, like, losing to Iowa. I mean, yeah, but, like, Nebraska hasn't beaten Iowa. In like <laughs> no, no, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But, like, so, like – is that really a prerequisite here? Like, well, okay, but Matt Campbell wouldn't be like the golden child of Nebraska football. He wouldn't be given that leash. Oh, here's the thing: no matter who you hire, I don't know how the Big Ten is going to look in two years when you CLA and USC are in the conference. So Nebraska is probably not going to like have this advantage of just like we're the biggest name program in the West and we should be able to win it. Like they kind of blew their chance at, like a huge run with these new divisions. So, like, they need, to, they need, what about what about Matt Rule? I like Matt Rule, but why would Matt Rule take that job? He's an NFL coach. Okay? He's going to be unemployed in about a couple weeks, probably. You're telling me Matt Rule can't get a job in college football as a head coach of like an actual program? That's not Nebraska, dude. What he what, would? He, what why would he? Program? Do you envision him taking over? He's going to take Penn State once Franklin leaves. Where is Franklin going? Anywhere. Like Franklin's Asian every single year. Always says Franklin's gonna leave. Okay. So does Har- dude Harbaugh's rumors every single year. Okay, and Harbaugh tried to leave. <laughs> like you tell me, Franklin's you tell you tell me Franklin's in it for the long. Where is Fra- Where is Franklin going? Like we don't, I don't we know. Don't have the, That's we the don't have college football, dude. There aren't many jobs better than Penn State that open every year. And like last year, like we had USC, Oklahoma, LSU, and Notre Dame and Miami all open. We don't have cycles like that. That's true. That's, like Auburn, I, I, Auburn, I am very sure that Auburn will be the best job open this this off season. 
Auburn. Um, and the and and the next job open open soon is uh maybe Florida when people f- figure out that Billy Napier is not going to win. Stop, stop, Billy Napier. I don't know why why are we doing, we have like the most exact opposite opinions on both. Billy so Napier gets fired before Mike Norvell. Billy Napier gets fired before Mike Norvell. No chance. No chance. Imagine. That that's I can't agree with that take at all. Imagine. Yeah. More of what I'm trying to say with the Nebraska thing is that I don't think that job, I think the job is too hard. Like do you, do you, do you think the it's job a desirable is too hard. job? What? Do you think it's a desirable job? Like for a very specific person. But like Matt Rule, an East Coast guy. Why would like Matt Rule, Rule going to Nebraska? He went, he went to a job no one wanted, and when he went to the Panthers, he went to an NFL job that was gonna be really difficult. And he, like, he went to a college job that no one wanted and had him. Yeah, but the expectations were different. Nebraska wants national championships. Baylor didn't. Dude, Nebraska's they're probably not getting national championships. That like that's what, I'm telling you, that's what they want. Can, man. can, they can we can Nebraska start figuring out how to win like eight games again and then go from there? They think they have the resources to compete. They want Urban Meyer, man. Do, do they have like any like big like brands like in yes. in Lincoln? Yes, dude. Okay, well, there's they, your they, they have money. That no, that program has money. It's so, just like so, they don't. They, I mean, they were willing to throw money around for everyone, but like, so who do you envision them taking? Or, or, or trying I don't to get? No, I don't know. That's it's 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 a weird job. It's it like, is a weird job. If Nebraska has the resources that we know they do, and they have the kind the brand that we know they do. Why aren't they getting a the high-profile guy? I question the brand. I question the brand. At, at, in this, like when we're talking about football right now, I'm questioning the brand. Because like when, when a recruit sees Nebraska, are they thinking national champion? No, but no, they're thinking three and eight. They're thinking like, like I just like I'm sitting here and I know they have the resources and I know they hypothetically have the brand. But I cannot see them pulling a guy like LSU or like Miami or like or like USC they did. They they won't. And like like even Oklahoma and even Oklahoma went and got like a, a big name coordinator. Like just never, like that might be Nebraska's best option. I agree. So I liked Matt Rule from Nebraska. I, I said that last week. I don't think he's gonna go there. Um, but like that would be my first that like I would call Urban Meyer. He says no. Dude, Matt, Matt Rule at Auburn would be electric. I, that, that seems like almost too He perfect. would – Matt Rule at Auburn, I would, I would like. That, I would, that, would, that like would be that. almost too perfect. I would, I would like, very much that like. That, like, almost – that, like, could potentially be, like, an upgrade from, like, Malzahn. Like uh, – I think Matt Rule would do a really nice job with – like, Specifically I with think, the boosters there. I think he could st- – like, because Malzahn will pull, will pull in – or not Malzahn. Matt Rule will pull in the town of Auburn because they always pull in pulling talent and like with Malzahn like he beat Alabama three times but they weren't very consistent and so like Matt Rule will get consistency out of them yeah I I agree going back to Nebraska like I think their plan of action should be trying to get locking down um one of the better young bright minds because like I don't know if that guy's on the staff right now but if not like that's who they should get because at the end of the day, what we've seen time and time again is you need guys to lead your program who come from, if you want championships, you need guys who come from championship like staffs. Okay. You, like you need to, I don't know. I, I don't care which Nebraska guy you hire or which Alabama guy you hire. Definitely not Bill O'Brien. Do not even touch him with like a six foot pole. No, but you look, what you do is you look at Ohio state, you look at Alabama you look at, you look at Georgia. Joe, and, can we give and, Joe Moorhead another shot somewhere? No. Why not? I mean, didn't he get a shot at Oregon? Wasn't he the OC of that team? That was, yeah, like, really underperforming? Uh, dude, they won nine games with Anthony Brown playing quarterback. I would be fine with Joe Moorhead. I heard that, like, because he has the actor job right now, right? Yeah. Which is re- really weird. I-, I think he just likes to have that job. I don't think he likes the big. Does he, he just like wants pressure. the title of head coach? And also, I don't think he likes the pressure that much. I think he liked Mississippi State because it didn't have like that much like internal pressure. Like you didn't need to be competing every single year. You just need to have like a few years. Yeah, I mean, like being a coordinator. 
he still was canned, but like he was, he was really oh, no, good. He was still canned, but like, yeah. He was, he was really good at Penn State as an OC. I thought he would did a pretty good job at Oregon last year as an OC. So, I mean, maybe that's just what he is. Uh, let's continue. Um, I love how we talk Nebraska football. Like, every Jim Knowles, like, Nebraska. What? Jim Knowles. Jim Knowles. I think that would be a very big mistake. You need life into the program. You need someone young, okay? Everyone, all, everyone knows Nebraska is like this ancient They're not power. getting Lincoln Riley. They know it's an ancient power. I don't. They don't need to get Lincoln Riley. Get someone so, else. Get, get someone so energy. Rec- would your recommendation be? You know what? You know what? I thought of it. Go hire Joe Brady. There you go. I got your solution. He doesn't like to recruit. You can't hire Brady. Him. Yeah. Good. Hire hire guys to recruit for you. Bring in Ed Ogeron. He can recruit. Actually, Ed out Nebraska. Joe, Joe, Joe Brady, head coach at Ogeron, D.C. I solved your problem. There you go. You wow. Ed O's liking his life right now, man. Like, dude, why does he want to move? He's like dude, living dude, in like Miami Florida right now. Does he want to move to Lincoln? Maybe. He's like retired, dude. He's getting paid like $10 million to not coach. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Like, honestly, I'm here's what I would say. Names. Here's what I would say. Names. You know who Nebraska should hire? Who? Marcus Freeman a year ago. Marcus Freeman a year ago. Yep. Now, why do you think that would work? Because he's a young coach. He he likes the recruiting aspect. He would bring life into the program. I, I think he would bring energy. They can't win games at Notre Dame. Notre Dame's too big of a job for him. But by, by the way, what a, completely off topic. But what if I told you that through three weeks, the team that has scored the most points against against Notre Dame is Marshall and not Ohio State. Hey man, and Marshall scored. Didn't they have like two pick sixes? <laughs> yeah, I think that, I mean they had one, but they had twenty six points. No, we'll Ohio State twenty one. We'll see. We'll see. We gotta keep going. Let's get. Let's power through this real quick. All right. Um, where am I at? Uh, eleven. I got Oregon. Twelve. I got Tennessee coming off a, a pretty solid week again. Thirteen. I got Penn State going on the road to Auburn. Absolutely walloping them. Uh, yeah, Penn State was very good. <laughs> Kentucky at 14. I really don't like this team that much, though. I'm kind of waiting for them to lose so I can move them lower in my rankings. Kentucky, I agree with yeah. you. Ole Miss at 15. Lane Kiffin's my favorite offensive mind in football. Um, they actually haven't been throwing the ball that much. Um, they're running with Altmeyer, correct? I think Jackson Dart played the other day, actually. Yeah, did he? Yeah. I think Altmeyer played in the other week, maybe? Yeah, the, their defense is, is, is very underrated right now. Yeah, and their running game is very, very good. Like, like, like even Clemson didn't look that good against against Georgia Tech on D. Yeah, and um, I mean Zach Evans is this dude's nuts. He's very, very good. So yeah, and so my we actually are very similar here. I have Arkansas at eleven, Oregon at twelve, Tennessee at thirteen, Penn State at fourteen, Kentucky at fifteen. So Kentucky right now, and this is kind of the team I want to talk about in this in this grouping. They are very high in the AP poll, like number eight, top ten, right? They're eight, which is way too high. No chance. But you know the reason why they're that high? Why? It's because it's because they beat Florida, who is ranked way too high. Yeah. So, so the Sagarin ratings um have them at eighteen. The FPI doesn't have them ranked, and I don't know how we do this every year, but Kentucky always beats somebody. And it's usually, honestly, Florida because, like, because their staff is way smarter than yours, and their defense is way tougher than yours, and they figure figure out a way. And pause. pause. Mark Stoops, Nebraska. Dude, that was the original name I brought up when when we talked about. <laughs> Wait a minute. Nebraska. Wait a minute. It fits, dude. It's perfect. They're gonna beat some teams every year. They're gonna have one big win. Everyone, Nebraska. He's not crazy. gonna like bring new life to the program, though. Well, okay, but like very like Kentucky is recruiting recruiting well for for Kentucky standards, though I will say that. But like, so Kentucky. Back to my point. Kentucky always beats Florida every year for some reason now, and it brings like this program into these high powered, high ranked team that they really shouldn't be. And then they go play Georgia and they get slaughtered, and that's it. Like they were a top ten team in twenty. 18, I think it was. They had no business being a top 10 team. They were a top 10 team last year at one point. No business being a top 10 team. Like, 
I would put money on the table that there are still six SEC teams that are better than Kentucky. I agree. Kentucky to me is very fraudulent. Um, they, I mean, they're, they're such an interesting team, but like, if you they're, look they're, at like, the SEC East, I mean, you can understand why like Tennessee has been bad. Vanderbilt's been bad. Missouri has been pretty bad. South Carolina has been bad. Florida has been inconsistent. And so that's where Kentucky's wins are coming from. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, they do their schedule is pretty favorable i want to say like i don't think they get the, these good sec east teams until really late in the year like they get northern Illinois next week oh they have to go to Ole Miss. so that there's probably a probably a loss but like after they're, that they're like, tennessee. They're after, tennessee after that like they get, and they have a bye before tennessee by the way but like they don't play georgia until until late in the year like and I don't know why, but Kentucky, like, basketball fans have, like, now, like, become, like, the exact same people for Kentucky football. But like, they don't know what they're talking about. They're, like, the, some of the most delusional people I ever – I've seen. I go on my Twitter every day to say to see Kentucky people saying that they're going to be undefeated going to the Georgia game. Like, no, you're not. They could be. Let, we'll, we'll let if, this if, was... if, they, if they win at Ole Miss and at Tennessee, like, we will have some talking to do. Okay. That way. Will Levis, in my opinion, is very, very overhyped and overrated. Yeah. He throws he throws a good deep ball. Not sure he has any other great qualities. No, people forget that like the quarterbacks he couldn't beat out at Penn State. Clifford. Very mid. He didn't beat out Clifford. Um was there was he there? He was because he transferred as a sophomore. Dude, take one Roberts had stayed in the pro- in the program. Exactly. Um he was not a quarterback for UConn. Levis, I just remember Levis, the only times he went in with Penn State was, like, he was, like, the short yardage, like, QB sneak guy. Here's, here's my question, though. Would you take Levis in, in Penn State's offense over Clifford right now? Yeah. Because, like, I think I would. Dude, I don't know why Clifford still plays. I mean, he hasn't – I he was good, good, I thought, on Saturday. It'll, I think Auburn's also, bad. Auburn's defense is not good. You also will be. It'll also be way easier for him this year because Penn State is actually like went from like the worst rushing team in the country to like one of the best in the country in one year. Yeah, dude, that's that's that James Franklin running back magic. Yeah, Singleton and and Catron Allen. Those two guys are good. Yeah, no, Singleton's incredible, but. I don't know, Kentucky, to me, I, w- I would be selling them anywhere I can. <laughs> but let's go on. 16, I got BYU. They lost this week. Um, but I don't know. Like, there's nothing about BYU that I learned from this week. Like, they were the same team I saw the week before. They were never going to run the table. Like, it was just not going to happen. No. I got Washington at 17, super impressed. I wanted to put them up higher. Um, I couldn't bring myself to do it. I need to see them do it again. Oklahoma State at 18. Baylor 19, 20, Minnesota. I hopped on the Minnesota bandwagon a little bit here, but I wasn't willing to make that jump. Next next week when they beat Michigan State, we'll, we'll, we'll reconsider yeah, but, making that jump. But we, we've established that Michigan State wasn't very good. Yeah, but what if they come out and beat him in East Lansing by two touchdowns? Then that would be – yeah. I, I mean, it depends on how they do it. And they, they lost their top receiver, so um, – Yeah, and, and like – they're still really deep at the position. Like, Ottman Bell's good, but, like, they're still really deep at the position. Yeah. No, they, yeah. I mean, let's see. Let's see how they do. Like, honestly, like, that's Minnesota's strength. Like, they're deep everywhere. Like, they, they they, have, like, they go too deep at, like, every position. So, all right. Um, 16 for me is LSU. We're, we're back on the LSU train. We, we never left, actually. Um, but that's besides the point. Uh, 17 BYU, 18 Baylor, 19 Washington, 20 Ole Miss. Ole Miss probably should be higher, and like they're probably better than more than 19 teams right now, or probably not not worse than 19 teams. But I just frankly like haven't seen enough of them yet. Like the, what they've been doing is super impressive, but like I, I didn't watch the Georgia Tech game because there were like at least three other better games on. And, like, the two, two, first two teams they played weren't very good. So, like, this, this week, hopefully I'll get a chance to see, see them. But they just, they just haven't been on my radar yet. Yeah, I agree there. Um, I was, I'm just, like, 
more of where I rank Ole Miss is due to how much I trust Lane Kiffin in this offense based on what we saw last year. So let's go on. Final part of the rankings, last five teams. They got LSU at 21. Not as big of a fan, but I'm okay keeping them in the top 25 due to talent and coaching. Uh, Florida, 22. I really want to move them out as well. I'm kind of waiting for them to lose another game. Maryland, 23. This team's very good. Offensively, they're going to be very good. Uh, defensively, we'll have to see. They have talent on the defensive end, but the main thing for them is discipline. I believe they had 13 penalties against SMU, and so like they were way better than SMU, but those penalties kind of kept SMU in the game. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm interested to see how, how Maryland plays against Michigan. Michigan's defensive backs have been one of the bright spots that like no one expected really out of the Michigan camp. Um, mm-hmm. Both Jermon Green and DJ Turner and Will Johnson and Mike Sanders still have been really, really good. So this should be like a really, really good test because Maryland's wide receivers, I mean, Raheem Jarrett, uh, Demas, like those guys are as talented as anyone besides yeah. LSU receivers. So, yeah, I'm interested to see how that game plays. I think as of now, they've done enough to be in my top 25. And I'm kind of also basing that off what I felt about them early in the year. Um, Texas A&M at 24. They won a game um, very ugly, very Jimbo, but they won it. So I'm, I'm okay with keeping them the top right. 25. And then Pitt so, at 21. 21. All right, 21 for me is currently the uh, second-best team in the ACC, the Florida State Seminoles. Uh, 22, Oklahoma State. 23, Pitt. 24, UNC. 25, Miami. So I got four ACC teams in that final th- – those final five spots, which I know you're probably not a huge fan of. But, you know, I think Pitt, I thought Pitt played pretty well against Western Michigan considering they were on a backup quarterback. Miami, I thought, severely outplayed AM and lost the game due to uh, poor special teams and – bad coaching and like you would UNC like I know you hate them but I, I think they're going to score against anybody in the ACC that they play and they didn't play this week so I couldn't move them out uh, I mean it, it aligns with your with your criteria as ranking teams so I, I can't complain that much but you don't have Texas a- at AM ranked so like Miami lost an unranked team what has Miami done in the non-conference other than that game that well, has really shown you what they are I mean, I, like, they filled the last spot, like, because I didn't want to put anyone else above them. And, like, frankly, like, you can be mad about me having them above Texas A&M, but, like, if you watch the game and, like, even look, just, like, looked at the box score, like, if you box score watch that game, like, you would have said Miami wins the game, like, nine out of ten times. And, like. Yeah, but they didn't win. Like, I don't, I don't think that we're far enough along in the season that, like, head-to-head results have to matter. I know about I don't, I wasn't impressed with what Miami did in the in the other two games that they played. Like, that far fine. far inferior opponents. That's fine, but I'm not quite ready to rank your darling Maryland team above them. Just rank <laughs> Maryland, bro. Just rank Maryland. Big noon kickoff. Get Michigan's going to cover Top 25 matchup. Michigan's going to cover 17. Listen, all I know is that reporting directly from campus, these games have been a problem for the student body. Because everyone leaves after the first half because we're blowing out UConn and blowing out Hawaii. I just want to feel excited about a game. Please. You can be excited about a game. You get to, you get to see a top 20 passing offense in the country, but you also uh, are gonna score. You also are gonna score every time against them. Over under, let's see, over under three Blake Corum touchdowns. Depends if if Michigan's hitting big big plays in the passing game, he probably won't get that. But this is so this week's the start of JJ's Heisman campaign. So JJ is is really really good. I, I'm very excited for him to be on. The I've been saying that for the last year because because he, I mean, just wait, just wait. I said he should have beaten out McNamara in camp last year. I said he should start as soon as he stepped foot on campus. Yeah, I mean, like, like I mean, the guy never had less talent than McNamara. He was never a, a worse player. And, like, people created this, like, fall. I wouldn't, shouldn't say people. Some outsiders created this false narrative when he fumbled against Michigan State that, like, McNamara should be playing. But it wasn't J.J.'s fault. Harbaugh came out and said that it was on the running back, Blake Carm. That fumble was not J.J.'s fumble. 
It was a misexchange by Blake Corum. You need to tell that to my uh, my starter Sunday co-host, Harrison Vapnik, who wouldn't stop Dude, talking. About Harbaugh, Harbaugh went out in the press conference. They asked him, was this JJ's fault? And he said, no, the, it was actually Corum's fault. He didn't get the ball. He didn't, he didn't receive the ball. It was supposed to be a run. Yeah, I mean, I believe you. Like, JJ is better than Cade. I saw something that said that JJ can't play in big games. And I was like, the, the biggest game he's played in is is Georgia in the the last drive. Yeah, and he was he was actually pretty good against Georgia. Yeah, he was backup. really good in that drive. <laughs> and guess what? Georgia's backups are probably better than any defense in the Big Ten. Well, way better than than McNamara was in that game by 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 far. Like, yep. like okay, we gotta wrap it up. Um, it's been a really fun episode. Got coaching talk. Got top twenty five rankings. So a lot of fun. Um, we'll see if we can get squeeze one of these in later in the week for the um, uh, best bets, but I'm not quite sure about that yet. It's a pretty busy week for me, but we'll try. Uh, We'll be a little bit active on Twitter. So if we don't have a podcast, check us out on there. And again, thanks for listening.